I was I was thinking back. Many of you know David Bernard. He's the uh, superintendent of the of the UPCI. He's a uh, a minister, a writer. He's put out so many uh, great uh, messages, books, and all of that. But I was uh, I was thinking about something that he's that I've heard him say. Um, not that I intend to really preach or teach about this today that I that I know of, but. Um, we talk a lot about um, the idea of oneness and the oneness of God and how he's, he relates to uh, or he manifests himself in different ways. But this, if I get this wrong, forgive me. I think this is, this is how he, he has explained it as, it as it came to my mind. Um, he says that God is the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and he is the Holy Spirit in, I think he says, action, something along those lines. But it, it shows us how God uses each one of those manifestations of himself to, to work and to accomplish his, his work and his purpose. And so I'm thankful for that. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. And, um, the more we want to know God, the more we want to draw close to him, the, the more we will uh, see who he is and how he operates. So, so that's wonderful. That's, thank you very much. Um, I want to read a little bit of scripture here. Um, I'll say hello to my wife as well. I see her that she joined. It's good to have you, Sister Flowers. Um, Everyone else that's here and watching or, and watching on Facebook, God bless you. We miss you. Uh, looking forward to when we can be together again. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to the book of First Thessalonians? This is uh, a passage, something that I want to read here and just kind of talk about today that I feel like the Lord has put in my spirit. Um, for, for a while now, and, and I was wondering if I was going to get a chance to, to talk about this or preach about this, but um, I, I just want to look a little bit about this. We, we talked last Tuesday on the Bible study that we had. We went over, um, we talked a lot about the blood and the work of the blood of Jesus and how he died on the cross, taking away our sins, and how that was his purpose. All that, uh, all that we believe, all that we teach, all that we cling to, um, it really centers around that and his, God's plan of redemption through the man Jesus Christ. Today, what I want to talk a little bit about, well, I think what I said was something along the lines of everything starts with uh, understanding that he died to take away our sins. You know, our walk with God, our, our understanding and our, um, and our relationship with God starts there. He justified us. That's the work that he did when he died on the cross for us. He, not only is it a forgiveness of our sins and a remission of our sins, but it is justification to us. It's taking away our sins and making us in right standing with God. So all of that is, is vital to us. Today, I, what I want to talk about is what does it lead to? What, the, the, the resurrection, 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because just as sure as it's important that we know that he died for our sins, it is just as critical that we know he did not stay dead, but that he rose. He rose from the dead. And so I want to look at a, a few passages here that talk to us about that. And hopefully uh, the Lord will give us a little bit of understanding so that we know the importance of this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 is where I'm going to start reading here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, if we believe, this is how Paul put it, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, verse 15, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Okay, he's talking about the resurrection. First, he, he uses the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but then he uses that to talk about how it applies to us and, and what's going to happen to us. Those that uh, have lived and then died, and then those that are still alive at what he calls the coming of the Lord. And then he talks about that in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now that, that um, event, verse 16 describes an event. And, and I believe that is a simultaneous event that's going to happen. I, do you believe this is really going to happen? The Bible says that it is. One day, the Lord will descend from heaven. Remember, as he was ascending up into heaven, and his, all of his disciples and followers were there watching him go up into heaven, he says, the same way shall I return to you. So that was a true, that was an actual event. I mean, there were people standing around watching this, seeing that man that they had lived with and, and walked with, uh, seeing him rise into the heavens and hearing him say, I will return to you. So verse 16, it talks about that. The Lord will descend from heaven. There will be a shout. There will be the voice of the archangel. There will be the trump of God. I believe that is a, a, something that we will hear, the believers that hear. And it says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 15, it says, we won't prevent them which are asleep. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I always have to mention this. I feel like this is the way that the Lord gave me understanding of, of the importance of that little phrase, the dead in Christ. Notice it does not say that the dead will rise first. All the dead, but specifically the dead in Christ. 
And the way that I feel like the Lord explained that to me was, the only way that I can be dead in Christ is to be living in Christ at the time that I died. Does that make sense? I, I, I don't just get to claim this verse if I wasn't living a life that was in Christ. When Scripture says that we are hid in Christ, that is the accurate depiction of a person who once they have died, and then as Paul says, they are asleep in, the, in what we call death. When they wake up, when they rise up, it is those who were hid in Christ. Their life was hidden in Christ. They, they died serving Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I just want to make this, um, this clear distinction here because when we talk about the coming of the Lord as we're reading about here, it says specifically, we will meet the Lord in the air. And that's important phrasing because we're not going to be lined up single file behind him walking on the earth at this time. We are going to be called away from this earth. That is what we call the rapture. And when it takes place, the dead in Christ will rise. Those of us that are alive will rise and we will meet them, meet them with the Lord in the air. I say all that to make a clear distinction between this rapture, this coming of the Lord, and what the scripture refers to in other times and other passages as the second coming of Christ when he returns to the earth. There is a distinction. I don't have the time to go into all of that today, but there is a distinction between this event and that event when the Lord is actually returning to the earth and ruling and reigning and his actual feet will be on the earth walking again. That is an entirely different event, a different passage. But I think it's important that we know that and understand and think what we're talking about today is when the Lord catches us away, calls us away. And it says, verse 17, after we meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That moment from the time that the dead rise and are with the Lord, and we rise and are with the Lord, that is how we will forever be with the Lord. And verse 18 says, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another. This message, what I just read, is supposed to be comforting to me, supposed to be comforting to you. If for any reason it is not comforting to us, we need to figure out why. Why does that not bring peace or comfort or, or um, rest into my mind and, and a witness into my mind? Why, instead of you know, whatever else it is that I'm feeling besides comfort, if it's a form of discomfort, I need to get that right because the scripture says we are to comfort one another with these words. So as I'm looking and expecting for the Lord to 
descend from heaven with a shout and call away those of us that are alive and rise up those that are dead. As I'm, as I'm looking for that and expecting that, I should be doing so with comfort. I should be doing so from a place not of worry or dread or fear or, or even necessarily wonder, but comfort. This is my promise. This is my inheritance. This is the promise given to me. Now, I want to read a couple more verses if you'll look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's Paul here, the same writer, the one that just wrote all that that we read in 1 Thessalonians about the rising of the dead. He goes into a more uh, specifics here in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I'm saying this because we need to know, just like uh, the importance of applying the blood that he died to shed for me, the, imply, the importance of applying that, the, it is equally important for me to know what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to you, to my brothers, my sisters, those that have come before us, those that, are, as the scripture says, are the dead in Christ. Because the word of God gives us this instruction. The word of God tells us plainly, here's what's going to happen. So my understanding of this is very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. He says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay, Paul's addressing here uh, a concern that's risen from the, the church in Corinth where people are starting to question or wonder, how is there such a thing as this resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Jump down to verse 18. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Uh, that, that's a pretty popular verse, verse 19, what it says right there. But uh, this is the context that it's given in. If in this life was my only hope and like those that died, those which are fallen asleep. as he, call, he, he uses that term fallen asleep, and it's interchangeable with those who have passed away, those that have died, okay? So those, and again, he uses the same terminology, asleep in Christ. And so he's saying then, if there's not a resurrection of the dead, they which are asleep in Christ are perished. And then, if in this life only was all of our hope, we would be most miserable. Verse 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. The first fruits. He's the example. He's the first example of what's going to happen to those that die in Christ. They will rise again. Verse 23, it says, But every man... In his own order, Christ 
the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. That's what we just read about in, in 1 Thessalonians. Now, verse 24, I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, ruffle any feathers. I'm not trying to stir up any theological debates, but I'm just simply reading what the scripture says. Let me read verse 23 again real quick. Every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Christ died and rose first. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Verse 24, then cometh the end. Christ died and raised, rose from the dead. Those that were uh, dead in Christ are raised from the dead. Those that are alive and remain, all of that at his coming. So it's talking very specifically about a sequence of events. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority. That's a little teaser for you there. I'm leaving that topic for you to study or seek after. But verse 35, I want you to jump down because Paul's continuing this, this line of thought here about the resurrection and what's going to happen to us. And he, he's going to explain it here for us. Verse 35, he says, But some men will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come up? Has anybody ever wondered this? I'm going, to be, I'm going to admit to you, I have wondered this. And I'm just going to give you the, the punchline right now. We don't know. The scripture does not say exactly with what kind of body someone is going to be risen. Okay, we're going to see what it does say here. But I sit there and sometimes I wonder, well, if God lets someone suffer so long in this life, in this body, physically, and all the way up until the point of death, does that mean when they rise, they have to resume that? This is what the scripture says. Some will say, with what body do they come out? Verse 36, uh, Paul addresses that really plainly here. Thou fool. Whew. Well, that was me. Guilty. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. You're going to sow a seed. It's not going to reproduce. That's what it means when it says quicken. It's not going to be dead and then come back to life, except that it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but bare grain, okay? So he gives, Paul's giving the example here, the, the, the description of if, if you're going to sow and, and you expect to get a corn stalk, well, you're not just going to go over here to your garden, chop off a corn stalk, dig a big hole and put that corn stalk in there and say, well, I know what it's going to look like. This is the end result. Let's just bury that and then expect it to, to come back out of the ground looking the same. He, that's not how it works. He says that when you sow, you don't sow the body, the, the, the evidence, the fruit of what it will be. You're, you're sowing bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God, 
Verse 38, watch this, this is an important part. But God gives it a body as it hath pleased him. And to every seed his own body. God chooses according to how it pleases him what that seed, that body that was sown in, in death is going to look like when it raises back up out of the dead. Okay, this is helpful. I know this is, this is basic and we're not really, we're not preaching Acts 2.38 here or anything, but I want you to get this because this is important. This is scripture. This is what God says and it will help you. It will help you. When, when you start to wonder or someone asks you maybe next time, well, what happens? What really happens? You know, it's 2020. Well, it's almost the end of June in 2020. How much longer is the calendar of time going to go on until the things that are promised in the Bible are really going to actually come to pass and the Lord is going to rapture and call away his church? And, and really, what's going to happen at that point? Remember, he said in 1 Thessalonians, comfort one another with these words. I don't, I don't get comfort if I don't get understanding of this. So that's what the Lord's wanting to give us today. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. That example of that wheat or that grain that he just explained and what you sow in the ground coming back up coming back up out of the ground as a different body, as a different um, visible, tangible thing, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown, it's sown like the seed. It's sown in corruption. Corruption means something that will corrupt. If you've got a, a jug of milk in your refrigerator, I promise you right now that milk is corruptible. It's in corruption because it, if you leave it there long enough, you're not going to want to touch that stuff anymore because it's going to break down. It's subject to the laws of, of this world, of, this, uh, uh, of air and of, of matter and oxygen and all that. So it's subject to that, and so it's going to break down. That's what it means to be in corruption. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It's going to take on a different form. The body, the resurrection of dead, that body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. Verse 44, it gets even more plain. It says it's sown a natural body, but it's raised up a spiritual body. Everyone say those two words, spiritual body. Spiritual body. That almost sounds like an oxymoron or a, uh, the scripture, a contradiction, because we always talk about, well, there's flesh and there's spirit. There's, there's carnal and there's spiritual. But this scripture, that's exactly what it says. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And if so it is written, verse 45, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. 
Verse 50, I'm almost done. Verse 50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In case you didn't catch that, let me repeat it. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus came and he preached and taught so much about the kingdom of God and what we need to do to inherit this eternal life and see the kingdom and, and all of that. And now Paul tells us, it's not for my flesh and for my blood to inherit. So I need to get this concept right in my mind. I, I, I'm wondering, okay, what version of me am I going to be when I get to really walk into heaven or see the kingdom of God? If you have children, they, they're, they're so curious. They often ask questions about this. And a lot of times we just have to be honest and say, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, what you're going to look like, what I'm going to look like, what he's going to look like. Uh, but the scripture here is, is, is telling us specifically what it's not going to be. It's not going to be this corruptible body, this flesh, this natural body that you and I are familiar with. But it says that there's a spiritual body. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51 Behold, I show you a mystery. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all, all, everybody say all. We shall all be changed. This change that Paul is talking about, this change from corruptible to incorruptible, from natural to spiritual. This is what he's talking about. We will all be changed. I was on a, um, I was on a call last night, this, the, the state of Washington, the district youth, we had a special uh, guest and she was teaching us about how to hear God's voice and how to, how to pray um, with an understanding that when we pray, what's happening, what's taking place. And she posed this question to the group. I think it was great. It's stuck with me since then. She said, do you believe, it's kind of like a poll, a question. Do you believe that human beings, do you believe that we are a human body or a natural body with a spirit? Or do you believe that we are spiritual beings with a body. I'd love to pose that to the question, but to that pose, pose that question to the group. But I, I just think about that for a minute. Do you think that we are natural beings that have a spirit or we are spiritual beings that have a naturalness, a body, a, a flesh to us? Well, as Paul is saying right here, we will be changed. What we are right now. See, I think I hear that and I think back to how did how did God start this whole process with Adam and with Eve? And and so he created a man, it says, from the dust, and then he blew breath into that man's nostrils. And it says, Man became a living soul. It does not say man became a living body. Okay, the, 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 the flesh 
the, the, the body is, is just the temporary house of the soul, the temporary house of the spirit. That's all that this is. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. What's happening in our world today is it's so rooted in misconception and misunderstanding of the temporal and all of this around us is so temporal, but we get so caught up in it and think, oh, are they doing it right? Are they doing it wrong? And we got we to gotta make sure everybody's on the same page and we need to make sure this is, is said and this is said and spoken. And, and, and we're, we're focused on temporal. We're focused on a, a, a temporal situation. When God started by saying, all I need is a, a temporary house for this living soul that I'm going to put inside you. Brother Vance, I saw you raise your hand. Let me unmute you real fast. Go ahead. Yeah, I was reading in John chapter 3. Uh, first John chapter three, it says that behold, what manner of the love of the creator or the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed, like you said, what we shall be, but we know when he shall be revealed we shall be like him, or we shall see him as he is. And everyone that, who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And um, this thing is, I've wondered, not like you, I've wondered, but you know, when he breathed that breath of life, the word breath means spirit. Mm -hmm. And that flesh, that clay image on the ground became a living soul. But until that point, that spirit came into that image of, that he formed on the ground, it was nothing but a lump of clay. But once that spirit came in, then, then that, it was a man. He was a living soul. Right. And we are all that way. When, he, when Jesus arose, he, when he appeared in that room with the disciples after his resurrection, says he said, hey, uh, touch me, handle me. A spirit does not have flesh and bone. Right. But as you, when you see me, he he still had the marks of uh, his. Um, he, he said, uh, Thomas, hey, put your finger in my hand and thrust your hand, and don't don't be unbelieving. Right. But that blessed are those that that don't see me and still believe, because they're they have a, they have that hope beyond this life. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you, Brother Vance. That's good. I'm going to read this verse again. I, I, I really hope you're listening right now because I, I know the Lord is talking to us. He says it in verse 51. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
for this corruptible, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. You know what I believe, what I, what I feel the Lord wanting to, to awaken in us uh, today, right now, and, and give us this understanding is if I, if I we, this, is a, this term I've heard it used so much in the church growing up, and, and even now to this day I hear it. We, we sing songs, there's songs about this and everything. But I think not until this moment have I really thought of it in this way. We talk about the need to see other people as Jesus sees them, right? I'm sure you've heard that phrase before, see people the way God sees them. What God is showing us today is what we see when we look at a man, look at a woman, uh, a child, a young person, whatever it is, when we look at a human being, what we see is just the temporal. We just see the, the house of clay, like Brother Vance said. We just see the, the, the temporal dwelling place of a soul. But you know what God sees when he looks at a human being? He sees an eternal soul, an eternal spirit. And now that I know that, now that I realize this is how he sees each person walking down the street, driving past you in a car, your neighbor living next to you, your coworkers, those at wherever, when you see them, and you realize and you know this person is an eternal soul that ought to that ought to cause you to see them the way god sees them really what it should do is it should cause us to view them with compassion first and foremost because i use that term an eternal soul it's going to be an eternal soul, whether it's spending eternity with God or without God. It's still an eternal soul. And so he's looking at, at us, at, at the human race. He's looking at each person and thinking, I need to get my spirit, my word, into that vessel. I need to get myself across to them. And here we are, the church of God, the body of Christ on the earth. This, this, is, this, is, how, this is how we ought to be viewing ourselves together collectively as the church is the body of Christ. Because that's what it is. That's all we are is the body of Christ on the earth today. And if... The body of Christ is not looking at, a, at a, a human being and saying, that's an eternal soul. Then I don't know what hope that soul has. You know, he, Paul says, I'm showing you a mystery. We will all be changed. 
and he's saying when he says all he means all not just the christians not just the the the, the dead in christ and the ones that that are alive and 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 called away but every person this is not just a the, the, let me let me make sure i'm i'm clear about this what i'm describing today this transaction this transformation of going from a natural body to a spiritual that transformation is not for christians only this is for all people otherwise how would an, how would a fleshly body be able to be sent to either place for eternity it can't because it's corruptible but when it takes on an incorruptible form and then is told man this is what he said in first Thessalonians so shall we ever be with the Lord so shall we ever be with the Lord I don't know about you but that's how I want to spend my eternity that's how I want to spend my forever with the Lord can we pray right now Jesus in your name God I thank you for the truth of your word and I thank you for speaking to us today this truth God I pray right now Lord I put my own flesh under subjection to you god because i know that you are the creator i know that you are the master i know that you are the eternal ever living god and all i can hope to do is spend my eternity with you jesus god in your name i thank you for loving me enough to speak this word to me to share this truth with me i thank you for that today god jesus i pray right now lord give your church give your body this revelation that we would begin to see others the way that you truly see them god the way that you see them as a living eternal soul jesus and just as we talked about the fact that you died for us to take away our sins to become our offering our sin offering that is for every person lord that would accept that and apply it to their life jesus i pray right now lord let our eyes be open let our understanding be open jesus so that we know who it is that you've called us to be who it is that you've designed us to be in the name of jesus lord i pray right now ministering spirits be sent out from your body ministering spirits god that would begin to speak and begin to plant this seed the truth of this seed in your word the revelation of your word and who you are and what you want for us lord i pray let it go forth right now let it find the fertile soul of a soil of a soul god let it be rooted and planted inside each soul in the name of jesus and let it grow let it spring forth god
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I feel like we need to pray for a little bit. Um, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to unmute your microphone just so that we can pray together collectively, um, if that's something that you're comfortable doing. But I'm going to continue to pray, and I think it would be good if we all could do that together. Jesus, Lord, we're lifting you up right now. We're humbling ourselves right now, God. We are abasing ourselves right now, Jesus, that your truth might abound. God, that your word and your spirit might abound. Father, I feel you reaching for people today. God, I feel you reaching for souls today. It's the love of the Father that's calling out to your children, that's calling out to your people. It's your creation, oh God. Your love is calling out for your creation. Jesus, I pray right now. Let it be loosed today, O oh God. Jesus, let your spirit be loosed to work. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, just as you told us in the beginning, you're the Father in creation. You are the Father in creation. You created every living person, God. Every living soul. You created us, God, and you desire to fellowship with us, to reach into our life, God, and to transform it so that we could spend eternity with you. You are that Father in creation. You are the Son in redemption. The way that you died for us, God, the way that you gave yourself, your body as the sacrifice. It was to purchase our salvation. It was to purchase our redemption. That is who you are, God. That's how you chose to manifest yourself to reach this world. You are the son in redemption. The work that you did, dying on the cross, shedding your blood. God, that is who you are, and I'm thankful for it today. God, you are the Holy Ghost in operation. You are the Spirit in action. It's your Spirit that goes to and fro, God, that, that is seeking, Lord, to work in our life, through our life. That's your Spirit. Your Spirit longing to work through us, longing to speak through us, Father. God, I pray right now we would give place to the Holy Spirit in our life. We would give place to the word, the utterance of the Spirit in our life. God, so that you could accomplish your will and accomplish your purpose. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, comfort those who are without comfort. I pray, minister, peace right now, God, to those who are without peace. Jesus, I pray, minister love and joy through your spirit. God, let it be in action. Let it be in operation and let it be ministered through the work of your spirit through us, God. We simply yield ourselves. We simply yield ourselves today, God, to the work that you want to do through us.
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, your word says you are all in all. Everything that's needed, God. Everything, every lack. You're the source that makes it up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, in your name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit go forth, God. Let your spirit go forth, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father. In the name of Jesus. God, your arm is not short. You are able to reach. You are able to reach every soul. You are able to reach every soul. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father in the name. You are the hope of this world. You are the hope of this world. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Hallelujah.